Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 489, with Francesco Butoni. At the end of the day, you really have to be a nurturer to do what we do. Like, you cannot cook if you don't like to nurture people. It's like, you know, you can't be a nurse if you don't like to nurture people. It's like, it's very similar. You really have to love the person that's on the other side, because at the end of the day, that's, that's who you're really making the food for. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes What's to become sorcery? unstoppable. Sorcery digital invoicing, time and money saved. That's Sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire account's payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval see terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic and with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef francesco butoni chef are you feeling unstoppable today Let's do this, people. <laughs> yes. Uh, a seventh generation pasta maker and two times James Beard nominee, Francesco Butoni, hails from Rome, Italy. Butoni worked in some of New York's finest rest or kitchens during his come up and even got some front of the house work uh, with Joe Bastianich and uh, Otto working as their sommelier. In 2006, Butoni, along with wife Michelle Platt, opened Mercato, Oisteria, and Enoteca. 12 years later, they're still going strong. So obviously, this is just scraping the surface. There's a lot more to your story, and I can't wait to dive into it, Chef. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Oh, mantra. Uh, I would say my mantra has always been balance. I'm all about balance. That's kind of like how my food is, and I try to live my life that way. Nice. So awesome. That's kind of like where I come from, you know, sounds good to me. And just be, and just being honest and honest food, you know, it's all to me. It's all about the ingredients, you know, growing up in Italy, we, you learn from a very young age. It's really about the ingredients that really make a dish special. And then that's how we learn how to cook from a young age there, you know, going to the farm market with your family, your mother, your grandmother, I had the luxury of having a farm too, which which made a, a big difference because then we really had fresh ingredients yes. every day. So that that was really beneficial, I think. Uh, that's something I picked up from watching one of your videos. Uh, that emphasis on growing up in a culture where you don't go to the grocery store once a week, you go to the grocery store or you go to the market 
every morning to get what you need for that day. Um, and I think that's kind of a practice that you continue to use in your restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. To to my to my um, wife's, I guess craziness. She always tells me you're just running around all day. Like <laughs> you know, credit 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 card swipes at you know Adams two two times a day, or like at the farm stand. She's like, oh my god, you're just always running around. <laughs> I, I, I just like that. You know, shopping every, every day is really important for food. Not only and I think is my it, restaurant is. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I think my restaurant is also set up that way because, you know, I don't even have a walk-in cooler. Pretty much I only have reach-in refrigerators, which are, is a lot lot smaller in size. So, you know, there's there's only so much you, you can actually put in them, which makes it, it forces you actually to buy every day. Yeah. And you said something that uh, was really important there. You said it's also really good for the food, but beyond that, it's really good for relationships. And do you know where I'm going with that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I I agree. I think it's it's nice when you have a relationship with your farmer or your butcher. It's a whole it's just it's a whole different experience of you know buying the food and just you know it just transmits you know from 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 where it's coming from. You you, you can someone ask you where's this from? You you have the answers. You know it's not like oh wait a second, let me see where where, where does that come from? You, you like you you know from the source where where, where you're, you're getting your 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 products. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just being that closely tied to the story behind the food can be impactful. And if you can capture that, that relationship, if you can communicate that relationship, I think everybody comes out on top, but I think maybe we can dive deeper into this as the interview unfolds, but let's bring it back to um, where it really kind of started for you. As far as when did you know that you were going to commit your life to this industry? Was there a point in your childhood and your uh, young adulthood where you're like, "I I love food and beverage. I love hospitality. I think, I think, um, I, I always enjoyed being in a, in a restaurant environment, you know, first as a patron, as a kid. And then just later on when I would, you know, I would go visit the chef in the kitchen. Somehow I always, wow, I was always so mesmerized by the chef in the kitchen and just that environment. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so cool. You know, and I just always, I just fell in love with it. And I, felt always so comfortable in that environment too. Like, Oh my God, I want to do that. Like, it's almost like I knew how to do it before even doing it. What do you, you know? mean? And, and then as a, keep going, keep going. It's just like, you know, like the instincts, you, you just feel like, you know, you almost, you almost can feel holding up a, a pan being in where they're but not being there, you know, like you almost can feel that, you know, feeling of being behind the stove without even being there, you know? Yeah. It's just, just this innate kind of thing that you say, Oh my God, it just feels so natural. And, and, and you know, and knowing that, I, I was always around the stove, whether it was you know, at home or was or when you know when I was away from home, when I was even 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 when I was camping, I, I was always the one which was was around the stove or the fire. You know, I was the one always cooking, not because I, they, they, it was my turn, just because I, I liked it. <laughs> really, when you, you know? think about liking to cook, what was the reward? What was the thing about cooking that did it for you? That made you want to do it? I just think when people eat the food I cook and they're, and they're happy, I think mm. that just makes me, that's really so rewarding to me. It's just that feeling of, oh my God, like I've, I've nurtured something with food, not, not purpose. I'm not saying oh, I'm making this cause I want to nurture you. It's, it's just that feeling of like recognition, of, of recognition. Oh my God. Oh, this is, this, this tastes so good. Oh my God. Thank you. Like I really love that, you know, that feeling. And I, maybe it was, you know, I didn't have a very, 
good childhood is there was not very much nurturing you know in my in my family they were you know I was very like doing their thing and you know, my mother was always traveling my, my I divorced, divorced when I was very young so I felt like somehow the nurturing substituted you know the, you know not getting love from my from my you know family it was mm-hmm. like getting love from other people saying oh my god this tastes so good I think that that's where I think it really you know kind of made me feel good and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, you know it's kind of interesting yeah. and, and I thought about going here. Um, I was hesitant to go here, but you're a part of the Butoni family, uh, which is, was it six yeah. generations, five generations of pasta making? Uh, I'm, 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 the, I'm, the, I'm the first of the seventh. Seventh. Okay. Seventh generations. Uh, yeah, 18, 1827. And the family started. What was the year? 1827? Yeah. 1827. Yeah. Yeah. So in, it was, it was in the seventies or the eighties that your family sold the business, correct? Eighties. Eighties. In the eighties, we sold. Yeah, they sold to to this guy called De Benedetti, which used to own Olivetti Olivetti Computers. Okay, and I th- then I think he that- turned around and he sold it to. Then he sold it to Nestle after three years. Oh man! But, so you know, I'm curious. Like seven times the amount. <laughs> Like, cause I get the sense from you that you, like we mentioned earlier that you really value, uh, th- that daily relationship with the, the producer on uh, this. I'm sure this, this company started off, started off as a small, uh, Definitely. run the pasta making company and it grew over time. What are your thoughts on getting to the point where you get so big that you do sell to a nasty or like, what are your thoughts on that? Did it impact your quality of life, your family life? Was it too much of a good thing? Like, what was that? What was that like? No, I, I, I think, you know, the, you know, I, I think, I think that, you know, the company was, was still a small company in the sense it was still family owned. So I, I think it was nice seeing the fact that all the family worked together, you know, for the, for the same purpose, which was, which was nice. And it, and it wasn't like, you know, we're not talking about companies where, you know, there's no private jets. This is, this is just like, these people are hardworking yeah. individuals that, you know, are, you know, have a, a great product. They, you know, they, you know, they sold around the world. But at the root of it, it was still a family-run business. They still had, you know, good values. They still all lived in, you know, you know. I mean, Rome was a pretty big city, but you know, they still had, you know, modest lives in the sense, you know, it was all about the company and, you know, the 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 um, the brand. But it was, you know, they're they're just hard to it's a different environment than it is today. You know, I mean, it's just not like Nabisco. You know, saying it's kind of like a different. It's not Nestle. You know. Okay. I think that was the. But for me, it was it was an it was an impact in the sense that you know I I would go with my grandfather. He he was responsible for buying all the um the wheat that was used to make the pasta, and he was you know and that he always had that relationship with you know with the farmers and with the wheat growers. Is your and, family you know, still tied to the Butoni brand? Or no, you, okay, no, 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 no. We sold, we sold, and everything's name sold. So I also. I always have to be careful, you know, what, what I do when it comes to foods in case there's any, you know, trademark infringement. Yeah. I think when I, when I first opened Mercado, I think that I got, a, I got a call from a, a lawyer from Nestle or something asking me what, what, what I was doing, what I was selling. It was, it was kind of interesting, you know? Oh man, that's frustrating. Because I, 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 cause I, I was, I was, I was getting some press. So I said, maybe something came out and, you know, they're probably just, just wanted to know what, what was going on, you know? Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, did they give you any, did they harass you after that? Once you explained no, that? No, 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 no. No, I was one, I was, I'm just at a restaurant in the bar. It was nothing, you know? Yeah. 
So it's yeah, just, they're, they're just curious to know. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you letting me go in here and pry a little bit. And the only reason why I bring it up is because when you think of Italian family, right, uh, traditional people from Italy, you think uh, like very nurturing, very close knit, very good home quality life. And it's just kind of surprising that mm-hmm. to hear you say that uh, you kind of didn't get that at a young age because you would assume that it was there because it's a very traditional Italian uh, close knit family type thing. So, um, what do you think? What, mm-hmm, what was different about your family? I'm curious. I think I think my mother was a uh, was a little bit of a you know bon vivant, and she's just sort of just like you know did not really like being married or or having oh, okay. a married life. She was very <laughs> very independent, and she I liked to that. travel, and you know that makes sense. And she wanted and she and I think she wanted more of that lifestyle of like she wanted more of a jet setter lifestyle which you know which which the butonians were not they were more like you know hard working put your head down you know my father went from italy to to nyu without knowing much english and got his undergraduate and he got his mba from nyu but you know and he was always like studying and working and my mother said oh come on we need to go out we're in new york city and he was like no i have to work i have to study and then i have to go work work at the factory in hackensack that that was his thing and she was and she wanted more of the the jet setting lifestyle, which you know, which she, he was not providing for her. Even though you know, they would go to you know, fancy parties and dress up. You know, you know, you know, my father was always scared of of flying, so you know, he, he, they would always come over on on the on, on a cruise, you know, from 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 Italy or from wherever the cruise left because he would not fly. But you know, in those cruise ships where you know he would go first class, they would have balls you know on the cruise ship so so there, there was some of that lifestyle but not to the degree that she wanted i think i think you know that's so, what it comes down to so, <laughs> so this all stems off of you kind of getting that recognition of, of getting nurtured of being appreciated for doing something that you're good at uh and when did you really start to lean into this Correct. um i i i'm good at this i enjoy doing this when did you really start being intentional about making your life food i you know i, I think i, I always just Probably, I would say, I would say, after you know, when when I was in college, I worked a little bit in restaurants, and I, and I did that part time on the weekends, and I really enjoyed it. And then I just decided, just to after college, I decided just to to, to do it. You At know, this point, were like, you in the states, or are you still in Italy? No, I'm in. The, I was in the states at this point. You know, okay. at, this, at this point, I, I was I was in the states. And I, you know, I mean, I, I'd had summer jobs, like in you know, college, like, you know, I was, I went to a community college up, up in the Adirondacks for, for two years. So I would, so I would work in the summer times. I would work, it was open Lake Placid. I would work in a, a restaurant there. I think it was, I, my first job was like as a, as a busser. And then I worked as, as a server in another restaurant. So you started out in the front of house. Yeah, definitely. I started in the front of the house. You know, I, I was very, which is kind of interesting. Like I never just went into cooking. I, I think I was, I was always a little hesitant because, you know, in, in my family, there were, there was no one ever really cooked for a living. You know, like, you know, you know, my, I'm the Vittori family. We had, you know, we had like a, a quokka. We had like an actual cook who, who cooked, who cooked in the house. Okay. Know? So, so there was no, like, oh my God, no one's going to become a cook. I mean, everybody loved to cook. I mean, like my grandfather loved to cook, but he was not going to become a professional cook because, Again, you you always did what the family needed you to do, and if the family needed him to be working the family business, so maybe he would he would have wanted to be a chef, but you know, or have a restaurant, but that wasn't a you know a choice because you did what the family told you to do. So, at what point were you that, really that, getting yeah. serious about like I'm going to make my life? At this point, you're working in the industry, uh, you're enjoying the industry, you're front of house. 
at what point were you like, I'm going to make this my career. Like I'm going to start, maybe I'm going to open my own, my own place. I think when I, when I, when I finally took a job up in the Hudson Valley at this place called the Stony Creek restaurant, which is not there anymore, but it was in Tivoli, New York. And, and I, and I felt, um, it was, it was right at, it was actually right before 9-11. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of, of, of selling wine. I, I'd sold wine in New York city for a couple of years. And, and I'd also like worked in a couple of restaurants, like part-time on the weekends. I was like, you know, cause I just somehow did not want to commit to anything yet. And then finally, when I, when I, uh, I got this job at, as a sous chef in this little restaurant in the Hudson Valley, which was very much similar to what I had grown up with in Italy, where, you know, it was farm to table, you know, I, I you know, I had to go pick up, you know, lettuces from, from this farmer. I had to go pick up the chickens from, from this other farmer. That's why I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really what I want to do. I really want to do this kind of a restaurant. Like, I, I didn't realize it was actually possible to do that. You know, because, you know, when you're in New York City, you work in these restaurants, everything gets delivered. You, you really never see where it's coming from. So after this experience at this restaurant called Story Creek, I was like, oh, yeah, this is really what I really love doing. You know, and it was a small place. So, you know, it was like an, in an old building. So you had, like, the kitchen was was a kitchen, but not really a, a restaurant kitchen. You know, there was, there was like a window and it was like, Oh my God. You, know, you would look out in the backyard. It was a, it was a little vegetable garden with herb garden in the backyard. It was like, Oh my God, this is like so perfect. <laughs> uh, I love that you're listing out the, the things that you love. You said you love being able to go to these different places, pick up the produce, the, the, the smallness of it all, but really what, what's one step beyond that? What was going on? beyond all that, that made you really like this type of environment? I, I just, uh, it just felt, it felt very, very um, familial, you know, to me from, from my growing up, you know, it's, we call it like, you know, nearly we call it like cucina casalinga, which is almost like, it's almost like home cooked. It's very, it's very home cooking, you know, like we like, I, I like that, you know, to me, it was never about, I mean, I worked in, you know, San Domenico, which was a very like high end Italian restaurant. It was all about the food, the customers, and that just never interested me so much as, as so much as does the, um, the more the home cooked style, the more like agriturismo, where it's all about the ingredients that, you know, I get you. Everybody sort of like, every sort of participates in the whole, it's, it's more of an experience than actual just not just about the food, it's just about the experience of like being in a beautiful place with, you know, really good food. And it's like the simplicity of it, you know, which really attracts me. Um, you, you just mentioned I, everybody I, I, gets uh, to participate. What do you, what did you mean by that? I feel like if, you, if you're in a place where you're close to the farms, you, you know, even as a customer, you're, you're, you're driving through, you know, the area, you, you, you come into the restaurant and you, you look over, you see some cows, you see the fields, you see like vegetables that, you know, growing in, you know, in, in the field. And so you're still, even though you're not like actually picking the vegetables as, as, as even, even as a patron, you're still driving in the area. You still understand that this is, you know, the food is coming from like where you, it's coming from where you're driving to, you know what I'm saying? It's, I got you. It's not that far away. The, the ingredients from, from where you're coming from, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's very symbiotic. It's like, you're part of it all. You know, it's not just the transaction. Yeah. At all. It's like, it's a, it's a whole system that comes together that, you know, works towards this one goal of creating something to be shared with other people. And that, to me is like way better. I don't think of punching a clock when I think of that, you know, I no, think, you know, no. <laughs> so I think you did a good job really painting that picture, but eventually you, you moved to New York city, right. And you're working at some restaurants. Um, my Italian, I, I can't say Italian words for some reason, even though my last name is catch story. Al, uh, but, Bacio. <laughs> 
Albacio? Is that am I saying oh, that correctly? Albacio, yeah, but Albacio. That was long. That was that was that was when I was like eighteen years old. I I, like, I left I left home. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go to New York. I'm just gonna go work for my you know for my aunt. We had a restaurant in the city called Albacio. I was, I was almost like rebelling to to leave to leave Rome and you know piss my mother off. Okay, uh, Teodoro. But somehow I, I just. Teodora, yeah, that's another restaurant. I worked, I worked there pretty much after after college. I worked there. Okay, Teodora, yeah. In uh, but again, again, these are all these are all very small family run restaurants. You know that, that that that's I think that's you know the thing that always comes through to me. Like you know, are you front of house, back just, of house in these restaurants? What's going on at this point? Uh, Teodora was Teodora was I was front of the house, and and and, and was my aunt's restaurant, so I would just help out wherever she needed me. I could bust tables. I could work in the kitchen, you know. And then, and then we had we had another relative which had a couple restaurants called Pasta and Dreams. And 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 one of his um the guy that made his pastas and the bread went on vacations for th- for three months. And he said, "Hey, you you wanna you wanna you wanna you think you can fill in when the guy's on vacation?" I said, "Yeah, I can fill in." So the guy trained me for you know for a couple of weeks, and then he went away. And then for you know for three months, I I, I made the bread and the pasta for all, all the three restaurants. You know, but but even then it was not like, hey, this is what I want to do. It, it, it just felt comfortable and I liked it, but I wasn't like totally say, okay, this is what my, I'm going to do this right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. You know, I, it, 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 I think it was hard for me. You know, I also, my mother had, was very influential and just to say, okay, screw you. I, was, I, I wasn't ready to do that and just take off and go work, you know, in a, in a restaurant. Wait, so um, you, know, this, you um, she said, you said, screw her. I'm going to go off and do work, but she wanted you to do no, other things. No, I, I no. I, no, well, yeah, in, you know, in, in in her eyes, she wanted me to become some big CEO or, or you know, or just make a lot of money. That that, that was the, her thing was I have to make a lot of money. So for you, you were that more interested in like, being happy. I was more interested in being happy. You and for know, you, happiness. That, that's why I think I, I was. Was these small, tight knit restaurants where you're working with your hands and it's about the people. Yes, exactly. Okay, totally. So, you know, which which was more like what I'm used to, like you know. As, you know, living, you know, going on the farm. That's why I always went to the farm on the weekends you know, to be with my grandmother, to, you know, cook with her and just sort of like, you know, I just, I just enjoyed that more than being, going out, you know. So it seems like, yeah, um, a teenager, you know, up to this point, you're working in a lot of, uh, small, uh, tight knit, close, uh, Italian restaurants. And eventually you find yourself at, uh, San Domenico, which is probably yep. the first more like upscale, more mainstream restaurant you worked in. Yeah, definitely. That was more the more mainstream. So why you know. why make the move from like the the close uh, the close knit small family restaurants to this bigger more mainstream restaurant? What was going on there? Was it money? Were you just looking to make a little more money? Were you were you thinking? No, about the, it, no. It was actually my my mother was actually friends with the owner, this uh, Tony May, and um, and she and and she was also friends with another gentleman, which his name was Gino. He's not he's not around anymore which owned this restaurant called Avenue. And, you know, and Gino said, Oh, you want to cook? That's fine. I'll help you out. So he, you know, he had, he had, he had gotten me a job at the Cote Basque, which was, which was a French restaurant as an assistant in the, in the Poisson, in the, in the fish station. But then my mother said, Oh, you know, there's my friend Tony May, who was, who was also looking for some help. If you want to go, you can, you can go work for him. So then I felt, okay, you know, well, you know, my mother has never been, never been in favor of me cooking but you know she said her friend of hers has a place maybe i should just go along with her friends and work for tony may so i ended up going to work for tony may because my mother knew him and she's you know what year was this oh yeah this was 2000 and uh no sorry my god not 2000 
This was 1997, I would say. So nine years before opening your own restaurant. So at this point, um, were you just interested in learning how to cook? Like, was it there any, aside from appeasing your mother and going someplace where she wanted you to work, uh, was there, did you see this as a good opportunity? What was going through your mind? What was the thought process? Oh, no, I've never worked in any place thinking how is this going to further my career or, you know, or just, it was just like an opportunity to work in a restaurant and, and you know, and it was a cool restaurant because it was very, it was very European setup where the kitchen was like in the middle when, and all, all the chefs face each other, which is kind of nice, you know? That's cool. What's, what's nice about I that? Because I think you see everybody and you, you, and you can talk, hey, okay, Mark, like you can say, okay, where, where are you at with that? But it's, I think it's just a better environment where everybody looks at each other in the face. Mm. You know, instead of having, you know, just working on a line and you sort of just back like to face, back. face back to back, you know yeah. what I'm saying? This is kind of, kind of nice. You know, it's, it's more like the French brigade system where everybody's like, sees everybody. And it's kind of interesting because then you also can, I feel like you also can, you can learn more because you're, 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 you're working your station, but at the same time, you also can see other station, what's going on somewhere else. And you, and you can like pick up little things. Oh my God, you see the, the guy in the fish station, you see the guy in the grill. So you sort of get, you sort of get like, you know, a little bit of a more exposure. I feel like, to cooking than, than you do with when the, the basic system we have now where it's just a line and everybody's just cooks and you're just not really facing anything, you know? Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so how many years did you spend at San uh, Domenico uh, before going on to auto? I was part there like, I think it was part there two years. Two years. So two years. from 97 to, to or 99. Uh, in- 99. Then I, sold, then I sold wine. Then I sold wine for like, Pretty much, pretty much two years. Okay, so we're, we're up to two thousand one. Uh, so that's five that's years. That's when I moved to before opening. That's when place. I moved to. That's no, no. That's when I moved to Stony Creek, the place in Tivoli. Oh, okay. Got you. Uh, all right. Yeah. So the the reason why I'm, <laughs> Otto came later. Otto came. Otto came later. Otto was like, um, I worked in Stony Creek for like a year, and then another restaurant opened in Rhinebeck, and I worked there for like a year. And then the old guy, I mean, the, I mean, the, the person I used to work, I used to sell wine for today, hey, there's an opportunity, you know, my friend Joe Bastianich is looking for, for a sommelier, you know, for his new restaurant opening auto. And at that point I was like, okay, maybe I should go, I should go back to the city. Maybe, maybe I should go back, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try, you know, working in the city. I, I had a, a free place I could stay. So that sounded like a good opportunity to go back to the city. So I, I decided to go back and and then and work for Otto. And then I I think with 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 the uh, you know Otto, I was, I was very clear. You know, I can come to work here, but you know, the weekends I'm I'm back in the Hudson Valley because I have I have you know catering. I have stuff. I was, I was you know I was making fresh pasta for 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 a market. I was like you know I, I you know. I work, but it's going to, it's going to be like a Monday through Friday gig, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. The reason why I'm asking all these questions and trying to find out where it really took off, I noticed, and I'm really intrigued by your story because a lot of the people I talk to, they're like, this is where I want to be. This is my vision. This is where I want to be. And these are the people I need to, to work for, to learn these certain skills, to, to go, to prepare myself for opening my own restaurant. Uh, but it sounds like you were very just kind of reactive to opportunities as they came to you. Uh, is that is that fair to say? Very much so. Okay. It's very fair to say. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I've always lived my life that way where things happen for a reason. And I'm not, I don't push things, you know, I don't look for things. They just happen. And I just, you know, I just go with the flow sort of, you know? So, I mean, I believe in what you just said that uh, opportunities will come to you 
but I feel like you got to create those opportunities. You got to—they're not just going to land on your lap. You got to work for something. You got to prove yourself. I mean, what was it about you, Chef, that made people want to give you these opportunities? What what characteristics do you have? How are you attracting onto yourself these opportunities? I think I think it's you know based on my graph, my my background. I think I think having the name I have is important. I think. Um, I'm a charming guy in the sense, you know, like I, you know, I, 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 I tell you honestly what, what I, what I, what I, what I'm doing. And it's, it's, you know, you get, you get what you get with me, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's dissect yeah. this a little bit. You're, you're pointing out some really good things. I think that, um, you, you pointed out your, your charm and, uh, your, I mean, you're working in Italian restaurants and you're Italian and you got that name, which yeah. helps. Uh, but mm-hmm. you also pointed out something that I don't think gets enough credit, which is just, I am who I am. Take me or leave me. Just transparency, honesty, in straight shooting. Yeah. What I mean, really diving into Definitely. that. I mean, I think that's something we can all emulate, regardless of our last name or our the way we say our words. So Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> dive into that. I was, I was there about. I, I, I didn't tell them. Okay, I didn't tell them like what they wanted to hear. I just told them this is what I can do. This is what I'm about. This is, you know, this is what I believe in. Okay. Well, well let's know, let's and, go deeper and, into that. This is who I am. So I do. This is what I believe in. What were those things that you believed in? Well, I think it, to me, it was about the food, it's about the ingredients, it's about, you know, growing up on a farm. There's just this very, very wholesome ideals that I have of, of, you know, of cooking and just, you know, and and my background. It's very, it's very, it's very genuine and authentic, I feel like, you know, which is very fortunate. Like, I I don't, I don't, I don't have to be someone that has to make up a story about who I am or where I came from. It's just, it's just, it's really, it's real. My story is not made up. So not only that, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of authenticity going on here, but it kind of sounds like what I'm pulling from your story too, is you had a pretty good clarity on what your core values were and what mattered to you and what you wouldn't, your non-negotiables. This is where I'm going to work. These are the type of things I'm going to do. Am I making assumptions there? Yeah, no, yeah, that's definitely, definitely. I'm, you know, um, yeah. That's, so that's correct. Why is that significant? No, having those core values, knowing what your, 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 your non-negotiables are, how did, how did that serve you? I, I think you, that you just search out places that, you know, that, that you think have similar values or, 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 you know, you feel comfortable in those environments. You know, I, I think that's why I went to work for Tony May because, you know, my mother knew him. It was a family friend. Oh my God. And so, you know, and then I, you know, I met his daughter and we, we had, we had like a good relationship with his daughter with Marissa May. So and I, and I still do have a good relationship with, with her. So it, I think it's, it was more familial and I feel like it's, you know, I just, I just, I just, you know, I, I think it's important that you, you feel comfortable in, in your work environment, you know? And, Absolutely. and that's, I think that's why I, I didn't go to like a French restaurant, which would have been totally different. And maybe, you know, I think working at, you know, Le Cote Basque would have been, I think, a far more, you know, learning experience for me. I took, I took the way which felt more comfortable and more like, okay, I, you know, I know Italian food. I, I can, I can learn more about Italian food. I can learn more about working in a restaurant, you know, because until then, you know, I'd worked in a restaurant part-time, but it, it was never like, you know, full on, full time, you know, in an Italian restaurant or any, any restaurant environment. So I, so I worked for San Domenico, you know? Yeah. Something else that came out during the story that you're sharing with us, that you had your little side hustles going on uh, on the weekends, you were making pasta. You were, you were a businessman too, on the side of going to these farmers markets. I didn't know that about your story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when did you start, you know, side hustling? When, when did that all come into frame? 
Then connected. There was a, there was a, a little market in in, uh, in Germantown called Otto's Market, and these two and these two guys owned it. And they, you know, I don't know why, how it happened. They, you know, I said I can make ravioli for you, and I said okay. So then I started making ravioli for them. So I would make ravioli for them on the weekend, and they would always sell out of them. And then, and then it's always, you know, I always liked that connection to my family heritage of mm. making pasta. I always felt very comfortable with that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I remember even 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 in college when I when I when I had like my speech speech course, whatever it was, the speech class on the demonstration piece, demonstration part of the speeches, I, I made pasta. <laughs> for everybody <laughs> <laughs> that's cool you get to stick with what you know uh, one other area i kind of want to dive deep into you worked at autos which was the joe bastian and shimari Batali restaurant uh th- these guys are known for knowing how to run their businesses uh that's why they were able to grow yeah. so many successful businesses what was it like going into a, a restaurant that had this this team of people that just get shit done uh what was was the culture different there was the operation different like was was there anything that you noticed that was different about this type of restaurant group this caliber of restaurant group from other restaurants no i, I think you hit it on the nail when you said that they're just super organized super dedicated they're, they're, they're just like businessmen which you know and they just hired really good talent and they realize that you know the, the success in you know a restaurant is is the people that you hire around you, which, which makes it really important. You know, I think so, I think in the, you know in the Tony May, I think the Tony May restaurant was a little bit different. It was all about Tony May, which you know was, he was a great you know a great PR guy. He was you know he had, he had run Windows of the World. No, he had run was it? He run he had, he had run the Rainbow Room for many years before that. So I think it was all about him. Where the Joe Bastianis, you know, they, they were, you know, they're very good about hiring good people because they realize that, you know, the strength in your success of your restaurant is really on the people you hire. Mm. You know? Was that a lesson you knew before this or did you learn this through that experience? I think, I think I learned it through that experience. It's, you know, how, you know, it's really important to have really good people work for you, well, you know, which is, which is also a very challenging thing to find really good people. Yeah. You know? Especially today. There's so yeah. such a demand for these people. So, I mean, bring us a great, but then you also realize then you also realize, you know, it's like when they work for you, like it's great when you have them, but then it's also great when they leave because, you, because then you realize, you know, they're going to go on to do great things. Like, you know, I have, you know, Ian, Ian, you know, Richard who worked for me, you know, you could tell that he was very, you know, very talented, very gifted. And you, and you knew that he was going to go off and do great things because you, you could tell that when he was working for you, you know, yeah. what was that? Like when, when they're saying they're going is how do you feel when that happens? It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's always, it's always like you're, you're upset, but then you're also happy because, you know, because then you realize, you know, they're going to go off and, and, and you hope that you've left something in them that kind of, you know, helps them along their path. And it's kind of, you, you leave something with them, which I think is it's great. You know? I think you're absolutely right. But I, one thing I've noticed with the greatest restaurant tours in the world, they're almost proactive in the sense that you, you, like you said, you see something in somebody, you know that they're going to do great things because they just got it. They got what it takes. They got the attitude. They got the skill. They got the, the motivation. Uh, it's, it's all there. You know, they're going to do it. So it, why not make it happen? Why not say, hey, um, what do you want to do? How can I make your vision come to reality? And how can I invest in that? How can I, how can I invest in you? Have you would, you? would you say Mario and Joe Bastianich kind of did the same yeah, thing? Yeah, definitely. I, I, th- I think they can do that. I think, I think if you're a bigger operation and have deeper pockets, you can definitely do that. I think when you're a small restaurant, it, it becomes harder for you to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Because the, the the economics are just not there to say, okay, well, what would you like to do? Like, well, how can I help you 
grow? Like, should we open something else together? It's, I think it's very hard. Yeah. So what do you, what else did you, you, you pull before? I want to get your story of the, the challenges you went through of going and opening your own place, but any other big lessons, any other takeaways that you pulled from this experience working with such a tight, well-run operation? Um, no, I not really. You know, I, I was, I mean, you know, I also, you know, when you're in New York city, it's such a different environment. Like you, you just realize it when you're successful in the city, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's a totally different ballgame than when you're successful up in the Hudson Valley, you know? Yeah. What, what's different? The amount of, the amount of, just the amount of people that, that you can attract is, is, is a lot more in, in the city environment than you can, you know, up here. Like uh, people always say, my God, if you were in the city, you'd be so, you'd be crazy every night. Like, yeah, but maybe I don't want that <laughs> because if I'm, I'm so, I'm still working the line every night. So I don't know if I, if I would, if I would able to do that every night, you know, like we have the weekends for us are really crazy. I was like, man, can you imagine if you were in the city where you have to be, where just to pay your rent, you have to be open seven days a week. You know, you, you, you don't have the luxury like I do to, to be closed two days a week and give my staff off two days a week. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a whole different, it's a whole different ball game. But I mean, there's some yeah. pros to that too. I mean, what, what do you, I think we'll get into this as we go. I'll save this thought for later. Uh, so when did you get the idea of opening your own place? Was it when you're with the uh, Bastianich and Patali restaurant? I, group I, I, no, I, I always wanted to own my, I always wanted to own my own place. Even when I was working for Albacho when I was like 18 years old for my aunts, you know, I would always like doodle. I would always like be on, on, on the computer, like making menus. So I always had that sort of like feeling, Oh, one day I like to open my own restaurant. But I was never like, yeah, I have to do it. I have to do it. Like, you know, like I just know, I just knew I wanted to do it. You know? So eventually you kind of got this bug that, you know, you started making, you started taking steps, you started making things happen. What did that look like? When did you really start living intentionally and say, Hey, uh, I got to open this restaurant. What did that process of actually make it happen look like? I think, I think that was Michelle, my wife, which was really like, you know, instrumental in saying, we can, we, we can open something. We, can, we should open something together. Like, let's open a little, you know, because we, before we actually had the restaurant, we, before that, we had like a little sandwich shop that made, you know, panini and we sold fresh pasta. What year did you do that? Made pasta. That was 2007, probably 2007 to 2009. That was two years before we opened Mercado. We had, we had, a, little, we had a little sandwich shop in, in, in Red Hook. Wait, so I'm, I'm a little like, confused. Like, so you you yeah, opened you, Mercado uh, Mercado in 2006 is what I'm looking at. 2007, we opened Mercado. Okay, well, so um, was the the pasta and sandwich shop was that something that you started with and scaled that was before into? Before that, okay, that, that, that was that we we opened that first in in a, in a, in, a, in a space in Red Hook, and then our lease ran out, and then this other space came available where Mercado is in now. And and then my wife said, okay, let's take this space. And then we took this space. We found some friends, which were some, which were our, our investors. And we, and then we just, we just took it from there. Okay. So, yeah. um, you said two years before opening Mercado, you had the pasta and sandwich place. Uh, was that, was your wife included in opening that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we no, she was included in you know, she, you know, she was in the city working as a producer on, on the queer eye for a straight guy, like a TV show, you know, she had come from the, from the movie business. Okay. And this was like, this was like a gig she had in the city working on a TV show. Gotcha. We, we just met through some friends. We met some friends up in Tivoli 
and you know my friend Arne said oh I know the woman you're gonna marry you know her name is Michelle <laughs> so somehow somehow we 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 were introduced we went on a date and we just we, and then we just hit it off and I think and I think that's when I was what year was I this I was still in this, this was this was oh this was oh seven okay okay so it sounds like she came into your life and she kind of saw the potential in you and said you know you can do a lot and maybe started like giving you the goals is that safe to say yeah definitely so yeah how soon from the time that she came into a- your life from the time that you started making your own pasta and, and you created your own business what, what i would say like um Within six months, wow! You know, we kind of decided, yeah, yeah, that's, it was quick. That's pretty impactful, man. Uh, so, what did that look like? How we did also, she... we also we also had a, we also had, we also got pregnant very quickly. Okay, after three months, which <laughs> we, yeah, which will make you well, change your priorities in life real fast. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so mm-hmm. a lot of people they call that the baby effect, right? It's like you know you're doing good, you're enjoying life, you're going on, and then it's like okay, and like I'm responsible for a life now. So do you think that's your wife coming into your life, kind of helping you have direction, and then having something to work for, having yeah, somebody to be responsible for? Yeah, I think definitely giving me the direction was 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 key, or just or just or just or just believing in me, you know, to that degree. Okay, let's open something like you know, like having that sort of like driving force behind me, you know? Mm. Um, I think, so, okay. So reflecting back at making this happen, like what do you think you guys did well? If you could give advice to my audience who or people in the restaurant industry who are trying to either open a restaurant or improve their restaurant, like what things do you think you did well looking back? I think we, we, we feel the need, you know, I think it's very important that you, that you know, the market where, where you're opening something and you realize it's something that you're, you want to make it needed in your area. I think, you know, so being smart about where you're opening the restaurant, going to a place that needs what you have. Definitely being smart. You know, it's it's, it's, it's the same thing you're, you're, you learn in like a marketing class where, you know, you can build the the best mousetrap, but if if you don't know where where to sell you your best mousetrap, it doesn't really matter. You know, so you really have to know where, where you can sell your products or if there's a need for, 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 for what you're offering, you know, like everybody, you know, a lot of people have this, I want to open a restaurant in my own, yeah, but you have to make sure that you know that, okay, I'm, I'm not, why you open a restaurant next to another Italian restaurant? If, if you know, there's a really, really successful Italian restaurant right next to you, you know, you really have to be smart and, and, and do what, what, you know, what the market dictates. Because in a day, you could be passionate about something, but if it's not, no one's going to buy what you're making or, or then it doesn't really matter how passionate you are about something, you know? So this area, the, the Hudson Valley Red Hook is all in the same. That, that That's like right there together, right? When you refer to the two? Yeah. I was going to say, so you were in the Hudson Valley. You were in this area. You were commuting back and forth. This was your home before that you had the idea to open an Italian restaurant there, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I had, I had worked for um, the place in 2001 was called Stony Creek. I worked for them, you know, and that, that was in Tivoli, which is, you know, the town next over from, from, from Red Hook. And, you know, and, and that's when I sort of really fell in love with the area because I felt like, oh my God, I got, you know, I, I spent a lot of time up, up in the Adirondacks as a kid at camp and then at, at boarding school as, as you know, as, as a very young kid. And then later on, 
So to me, it was always like, oh my God, it was so beautiful up there. I, I would always end up going up there when I needed to go, get away or when I was in solace. And, just, and then eventually I had a friend which lived in, um, in the Hudson Valley. And, I, and on my way up to Lake Placid, I, I would end up stopping at his place. And then I was like, oh my God, it's really beautiful where we are right here too. And, I, and then I started not going so far up north and realizing that I could still go to the Hudson Valley, Red Hook, you know, Rhinebeck, typically this area, which was just as beautiful in the sense that getting out of the city was, was really nice having that, you know, cause, cause I always, you know, growing up, not going like, like to me, you know, you know, Rome is a very green city. And then, you know, from Rome, I would go out to the farm, which was even, it was even more green. So it's just like, I always, I always, I always need to be close to green environments. So just, you know, the Hudson Valley just gave that to me from leaving New York city. It was, it was, it was perfect, you know? And you're still and you're still close enough to New York where you 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 don't feel like you're still in the middle of nowhere like you know the Adirondacks up up in Lake Placid you're really in the middle of nowhere yeah so you know? let's go through like any big challenges any like points of evolution for you personally as a restaurateur as a restaurant owner when you went through this process of opening your restaurant any walls you hit any challenges you came across I think the biggest challenge was you know coming from you know I think my my biggest challenge was. I, I'd worked in restaurants here and there. Like I, you know, I, I did well, much, but I never, I really never had a, a, a mentor. So I, I think my biggest challenge was like, just, just make believing in myself, you know, and having Michelle believe in me where I could, I could, I could, I could succeed because not having had that person or mentor say, Oh, well, you can do it. You're good. You, you know, that was, that was the biggest challenge. And then just opening a restaurant where, you know, you, like I've, you know, I've, some people ask me, so how did you know how many plates to buy? Or how do you know how many, you know, pans to buy? You know I mean? I think that all just came. I mean, I guess I just got lucky. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it out on my own. Okay. Well, this is how much I need. Like, this is what I can do. Like, yeah. Uh, well, you were around it when you spend a, most of your life around it. You kind of just get a sense of what you need. It's your that low road exactly. is paying attention to everything that low, like that, that subconscious exactly. is gathering this information. Uh, but you just pointed something out and I'm really happy you did, uh, which is something I was going to reflect on in the closing thoughts after we finished the recording, which is just the power of believing in somebody. And maybe you're in a situation where you want to get to the point where, uh, you want to maybe remove yourself from the day to day and you have incredible people that are skilled and talented working for you. And if you believe in them and encourage them to, to take the next step, to go to the next level from, to go from line cook to sous chef to executive chef or whatever, and you believe in them, the power of just having that belief in somebody like your wife had for you, can really be so like just impactful. Oh, definitely. That's huge. I think, you know, See, I think, I think I, I try to, you know, do that with the staff I have. It's just, it's hard when you have a small place because everybody is so, it's so, you know, you're always got your head down working really hard because it's, there's never any time to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. So where were you then? And where are you now? How have you evolved over the past uh, 10 years? The evolution is, I think it's, it's, my evolution is starting, is starting more now because more now I'm, I'm realizing I have to find a way to be not so much on the line. I, I still, I, I'm still very much a, you know, I, I really, I really enjoy working the line still. So I think that it's really hard for me to let go and trust anybody. So I think that, that my biggest challenge has been to just let go and trust people and show them how to do it and, and then just let them, you know, What's your plan to Take make that happen? Realize, 
I think it's just stepping back, you know, just showing them, stepping back, and, and if they make mistakes, just, just tell them what the mistake is, and then just, you know, eventually they learn, you know, what what, what you try to do, you know. Yeah. Um, I got you. Any other yeah. things, uh, lessons you learned along the way, things you, or ways you used to do things and have gotten away from because you've realized there's a better way to do it? Um... I mean, I think I've I've seen places, you know, maybe not use such great ingredients or, or, or sell ingredient, which is not really that ingredient. I feel like, I feel like to me, there's a real, um, almost like a sacred, uh, sacred thing you're making with the customer. Like if you're going to sell something as Parmigiano Reggiano, it, it has to be Parmigiano Reggiano. It cannot be something else or, you know, you have to really be honest with what you, what you're selling, you know, and, and you can't try to fool people. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, you know, honestly, I'm happy you're going here. Cause I think again, it goes back to one of that, those core values that we identified early on, which is just transparency. Uh, and this is, you know, what you yeah. see is what you get. And I think that's kind of, just listening to your story, listening to, you know, we could talk about the James Beard awards you won and uh, we could talk about your food, but at the end of the day, we can't recreate your food. That's your food. What we can recreate, what we can share and how we can transform the people listening to this is by making an example of your values of how you, how you do business and why you do business. So before we move to the speed round, like really drop some clarity on what your business values are. How can we replicate your values in our own business. I, I think it's, it's, it's just your, your, um, you, you have to be really be true to yourself and really, you know, make the foods that you want to make and, and, and not take any shortcuts. You know, I feel like, you know, it's not about the shortcuts. It's always about, you know, like working really hard to make the dish always the same every time. I mean, I mean, consistency, I think is a really, most important thing that you can teach somebody, you know, in this with this business, like you know, like someone that comes in, you know, now or came in twelve years ago has to has to be like, oh my god, the arabiata dish tastes the same as it did twelve years ago. Like you know, that's so important. Mm. And I think that's the hardest part of me letting go is like, is that happening? Does that still happen if I let go? Like mm. because I'm still there. Even though I have someone who comes in and helps make sauce, I'm still there tasting the final product. Be like, oh no, this is not right. This is this is good. Like, if I'm not there, will, will that still happen? You know, and I feel like that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I hear you. That's a it's a legit uh, concern. Consistency yeah. is absolutely huge. Um, so, just yeah. some of the I, the but core I, values I've identified just real quick are the uh, transparency, uh, no shortcuts, uh, and consistency. Being consistent with your product. Um, what are some of the other ones? I feel like it's, it's, it's just, it's always, um, like I always said, I always tell my staff, like, you know, strong to the end, you know, because, you know, when, as, as the, as the service unwinds and you're tired and you realize it's, or it's like a Sunday and it's like, you know, you still have to push through that last hour and still make the dish as perfect as it is as, as you can. And, mm. and not like, you know, not drift. Not like, Oh my yeah. God, I'm so tired. Not drift or just, or just like, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, a grueling business in the sense that it's really hard. It's very physical, but at the same time, you always have to think about the customer. I always, I always think about the person that's going to eat my dish. Like there's, there's always that you really have to instill that if someone's going to have your dish and, and, and their experience is going to 
impacts you and it's going to impact them. You know, if they have something which is delicious, they're going to be like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And then you're going to feel really good about yourself. So it's very important to always remind yourself of who you're cooking for. You're not cooking for yourself, but you're cooking for someone else. And uh, at the same time, you're cooking for someone else, but you need to put yourself in those, those, those person's shoes and be like, okay, if I'm sitting there, what, what do I want? Like, now, now I tell, something I tell my staff, like, you know, cook like you're cooking for your best friend. Like you, you want to be awesome. Like you really want to tr- make it really good because you know, it should always be that way. You know, I love it. Chef, anything else you want to drop on us before we move to the speed round? I've been loving this conversation. No. All right, let's move to the speed round. <laughs> good. <laughs> Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. (laughs) Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 800 Six six eight three zero zero six nine one. Mention Restaurant Unstoppable and receive ten percent off your first three months. And say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with Sorcery AP Automation. To be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member FDIC. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I think uh, consistency. Yeah. Consistency and balance. You know, to me, it's just it's like, like I said, the consistency that, you know, everybody gets the same thing and then balance. To me, you know, my, my food is all about balance. It's all about, you know, not too much of one thing, not too much of another, you know, like all the ingredients have to really come together well and in, in a balanced way. So you really taste everything, but not something more than something else. Uh, Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? I think my biggest weakness is, 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 
is not letting go. I think that's that's the hardest that's the hardest thing for me to do. You know, and just like and just just trust and it's just trust trust that someone's gonna do what I do, you know. Or think about the customer the same way I do, you know. What is one that's my biggest weakness? Yeah. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? I just look for someone that's really, really loves food. That's kind of like the key thing to me, you know. Passion someone that tells me, like, oh, yeah, I, I go, yeah, I go, I go to the food market. I mean, I go to the farmers market. I go, like, like someone that's really and like really enjoys what they're doing, and not not so much, of course, what they can do, but show me something that you're really passionate about food because you know, when we, if you're passionate about food, you can teach you can teach someone how to work the line or how to prep, but it's just, it really has to be a love for food and for nurturing because, you know, at the end of the day, you really have to be a nurturer to do what we do. Like you cannot cook if you don't like to nurture people. Mm. It's like, you know, you can't be a nurse if you don't like to nurture people. It's like, it's very similar. You really have to love the person that's on the other side because at the end of the day, that's, that's who you're really making the food for. Absolutely. Great stuff. Uh, What is your biggest challenge today? I think we already know the answer to this one. (laughs) (laughs) That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely letting go. I think is the other thing that you kept on mentioning. Well, yeah, definitely letting go. But I think it's also finally finding, you know, talented people. You know, I feel like it's very hard to find people that, you know, want to do what we do because it's, it's such a, you know, it's so, a hard physical job. And, and sometimes it's, it's not, it's, it's it's not a rewarding job unless you stick it through. That, that's how I always try to tell people, like, cooking and what we do, it, it's very rewarding, but it, it, it it's more rewarding the more you're in it. It's, it's not like, it's not this instant gratification, you know, because when you started, you, you make no money. So it's not about, it, it can never be about the money because it's not about the money. It really has to be something beyond that, you know, mm. that you do it for. So I'm curious, in the 12 years you've been owning and operating your restaurant, have you noticed a difference in the availability of potential of people? Is it getting harder to find people? Yeah, I think it's getting harder. Definitely. Why do you think that I is? Think there's not. Um, I think because sometimes you know, like we even we have the we have the CIA right next to us, but I feel like people have a the conception of you know being a chef means being on the food network or or means having a successful restaurant like there's, 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 we, we, you know we, we don't have any more the um, apprentice system like you have in Europe where you you slowly learn from the bottom up I think people now just learn and they want to be like a chef like you know they want to go to culinary school and when they come out they get that degree and in their eyes and in what and what the culinary school has sold you you are a chef and I think that's really hard because, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't even call my, myself a chef because I, I've been doing it for so many years, but you know, you're always learning. You never stop learning and mm-hmm. you never can really, and I think that these kids expect to come out of school and, and tell you, you know, what, what, you know, it's, 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 it's very hard. I feel like, you know? Yeah. I'm right there yeah. with you and I'm right there with you too. Yeah, they, the whole- wanna, they, 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 they would, they would, they want to learn from you, but at the same time, it's talking about what are you going to bring to what are you going to bring to the table? Like you need to have some something else you're bringing to me, you know? Like, well, yeah, like any relationship, there's a give and a take, you know? Um, exactly. And, and I, yeah. I feel like that's harder because I got you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a, a way to be a core value. Core value, I just think respect, you know. 
I think you have to respect everybody. Like, you know, I, I always feel like the restaurant is only as successful as every single individual, whether it's the dishwasher, whether it's the server, whether it's the line cook. It's like everybody is really a key uh, factor to your success, you know? So I think everybody has to be respected the same, no, no matter what, what your job title is or what you're doing. Everybody is, to me, in my eyes, they're, they're just as important. That's why I always have such a problem with the whole tipping system. I feel like, you know what, this, this should all be like, everybody should make, if, 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 I wish everybody could just make the same amount of money. Yeah. Because everybody, is, to me, is just, just as important in, in a restaurant, you know. There's a lot of people that are behind that school yeah. of thought. You're not alone there. So what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's standard within your four walls, but not standard within the industry. Um, I think we, 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 we tell everybody, we, we want you, we want your personality to come through. And I feel like it's very important that you are who you are. And, but at the same time to be very professional, like we, we, we want you to be your, your own person, but to be professional. We don't have like, hey, this is what you say. This is what you do. No, be yourself, but be very professional and, and sort of like, you know, and be very knowledgeable, you know, that's kind of like, you know. What do you think? What is professionalism no, no. to you? I feel like that word professionalism gets thrown around a lot, but what does it mean to be professional? I think to be professional, it means <clears throat> being humble and, and being almost like, um, if, if, if you're, if you're a server or whatever you are, like, like totally, totally, totally like, um, take that in and really be that the best server you that that's what you that's that's your job right now is to be be the best you know anything whether you're, you're a plumber then be the best plumber like it's always about like taking what, what you what the job you're offered or you're doing and really do it to the best that you can because that's that you know what you know these, these are like okay like you know what a best server like you know that we you know what what makes a really good server and really do that you know yeah you know, and I think, learn that and, know, I, I, and, be, and be the best server you know say you know yeah, so the definition of professional, there's actually two definitions. I'm going to read them for you right now. The first one is relating to or connected with a profession. It's kind of bland. Uh, the second one is engaged in a specific activity as one's main paid occupation rather than as a pastime. I think that second one brings home a little bit more for me. That's and, it. And the one word I think that Definitely. really strikes, and tell me if you agree, is engaged. And I think that's what being a professional is, is engagement and mindfulness of really yeah. being there to, to serve and to, 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 to have an attention and to be engaged in the work you're doing. You be, be present. Be exactly. present. Be fully present in what you're doing. And don't be like somewhere else. You know, don't be serving food and be like, oh, wait, I, I shouldn't be, I should really be doing this. No, no, just be where you are and be present and really do a great job, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. what's one book we must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I do, I do like the Danny Meyer book. I really enjoy that. And then there was another one, there's another book I read, which I really liked about having a restaurant. Oh, man. If it comes what to you, we'll throw it in there. But for now, I have setting the table listed as your recommended book. Yeah, I do. I really, I do like I do like that book. You know, you got it. You know, I, I also do. I, I also like the Jacques Pepin book. The um, the one you just the one about it's like a memoir. Do you know the title? Maybe food memories or something for Jacques Pepin or. I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. We'll figure it out. Uh, share an online. It, 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 it was just, it was totally about like 
what it means to like be the chef and be, and, you know, like again, like, you know, it's like a craft, like you really, like cooking, cooking and being a chef is like a craft. Like you really have to work your craft year after year to always improve and become better, you know, at, at what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. And again, it, go ahead. It's a, it's a commitment. I mean, the thing you, you you're only going to be successful if you actually commit to the trade and you're not going to be successful. Like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this, but then I'm going to do this and I want to make food products. No, you're, you know, it's, you have to really commit to what you're doing, you know, because I, I like personally, like, I got like, 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 as I told you, like, yeah, I was selling wine. I was, but then until I really committed, that's when it was really rewarding for me. Cause then I'd be like, Oh my God, this is really what I wanted to do. And I'm really doing it now. Mm. I love it. But then, you know, I also selling, selling wine, everything else was also very important because I learned a huge amount of, of I mean, about wine, which I wouldn't, wouldn't have learned if I was just cooking in, in restaurant kitchen. Cause there's always that, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's that, you know, you, or you cook or you do this. It's very important. I feel like this kid, no, you, it's, it's really important if you do everything. Like, you know, like I'm fortunate where I work front of the house. I work, I work front of the house. I, I work with some of the So I really have the big picture of like, you know, and that has always helped me, you know? Absolutely. Share an online resource or tool you leverage. Maybe this is a blog. Maybe this is a, a network or maybe it's a, a any, I don't know, anything you go online for to maybe it's Google. What's, what's a tool that you leverage a lot online? No, I like I like Google. Okay, <laughs> Google. I, I, I just I'll just look up like you know like like Rocky Rob, and then like oh yeah, and then I come these pictures come up or ideas come up. It's just very it's interesting just to know like you know it just a little input always helps you. Like if you're stuck about making something, it's just it's always nice to see pictures or just to you know to just just inspire you to yeah. you know just inspiration. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I can, I can do something like this, and then you then you change it. You don't make you don't make it exactly as it is, but it just gives you a little bit something to think about. You know, it's kind of nice. You know, share um yeah. share one technology that you've alleged or that you leverage or adopted in the past twelve years that has a big impact on operations, communication, efficiencies, profitability, anything like that. Oh. <laughs> Some tough questions. Nah. It's tough because technology is, we are still not, we still have handwritten dupes in our <laughs> restaurant. Um, technology. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I mean, I guess I, I, to me it would be like a cell phone, you know, like kind of like, you know, just the fact you can just call in your fish, fish monger. You can just, you know, send messages. You can just, you know, look up things, you know, quickly when you're driving, getting ideas. You know, I think that's really important. I think that we don't have that long ago to take notes, you know, Good stuff. So the last question, it's a big one. You ready for it? Yeah. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, except for three things, you know, to be true about your success, three pieces of wisdom you can leave behind for your legacy and for the good of humanity. What would they be? Three. Jeez. (laughs) Um, I think, um, authenticity, you know, being always like true to myself and, my, and the food. That's one. That, that's one. Yeah. I think that's one. I feel like, uh, no, taking no shortcuts. That's yeah. two. I can't. That's two. And I think, I think, I think lastly would be, um, um, just, just, um, I think I think just 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 the loyalty to to the customer, you know. I think just the loyalty towards you know 
the people that are having your food. You know, there, there, there's a really big thing that I feel very, very emotional about, you know, the food I'm making for someone else. It's very, you know, like to me, that's really, you know, special. Chef, yeah. this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking thank the time. You. No, thank to, you. <laughs> my pleasure to share your story, uh, to allow me to make an example of you and your values and in, in what you got going on over there in the Hudson Valley. And uh, let the folks at home know how to connect. How can we connect with you if we want to follow your story? If you maybe want to come get mentored by you or uh, pick up the conversation, what's the best way to connect? Probably you can just, you know, at the restaurant, you know, I think it's mercado red com. i think you can you can email me there or just stop by <laughs> it's fine whatever you want to do <laughs> it's all good and let the folks at home know uh who do you admire in this industry who's somebody you respect and think would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today that's how i found you and redshaw called you out who do you want to call out <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm on the spot here. um i like my friend gennaro gennaro piccone Gennaro Piccone. Look out. I'm coming after yeah. you. <laughs> all right. That's all. Yeah, go after him. <laughs> thank all you right, so much, Jeff. You. You're great. Cheers. All right. Bye, Rick. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thanks again to Chef Butoni for sharing his story and his values with us. And one thing I've kind of noticed over almost 500 interviews now is that you know, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, as they say, and it's really such a gr- like gross thing to think about. But anyway, there's so many different ways to get from here to there. You know, there's different routes we can take. And often we hear about people saying how they're very intentional. They, they have plans. They have goals. Uh, and they stick to those plans. They, they live intentionally. They do everything on purpose. And then every once in a while, I come across somebody like Chef Butoni, who admittedly is just like, I kind of just let opportunities come to me as they do. Uh, but one thing that we, I think we pull from his story is that he has non-negotiables. He has certain core values of the life he wants. And, uh, you know, he, he sticks to those values and he doesn't budge for anybody. And I think that is another way to get to a place of success of knowing what's important to you, knowing what your life looks like and then not budging. Right. So you can have a vision of where you want to be and get there or you can be happy with who you are, what you're doing and then stay there and not put yourself in a, a crappy situation because you, you you don't know what your values are. You don't know what your non-negotiables are. And really, at the, at the end of the day, what is success? Success is happiness. Whether you're happy with where you are and you don't uh, budge for anybody else, you, you are who you are. And this is what I am. And I, you know, this is this take me or leave me for who I am. Or you know who you want to be and you do everything you can to get there and you achieve it. Uh, both of those scenarios are perfect. At the end of the day, we're here to find out how people become successful. And I think Chef Tony is a great example of just having your values, having a clear idea of who you are and sticking to your guns. All right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, and Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable. I'm pumped 
Right now, people are writing to me saying, hey, I have this great idea for an episode. I would love to come on with my executive chef. And these are like legit people who are like, oh, like we can really contribute a cool perspective. And man, this this thing is becoming what I wanted it to be four years ago. A, a, a community of people aspiring to be great and leaning on each other, sharing knowledge and really just realizing that it's not about me or you. It's about us as an industry and how we can make this thing better. So super pumped about that. And just so you know, I'm, I'm listening. I'm paying attention to those emails. So reach out to me if you'd like to. Uh, I still got two spots left on my mastermind. That would be starting July or the week of July I want to say July 1st, but it's not July 1st. It's the first week of July. Uh, So if you're interested in joining a group of other like-minded individuals, uh, if you're struggling to make your goals, you want some some people to keep you accountable to your goals, to help you set your goals, to brainstorm on ways you can achieve your goals, uh, there's so much value to masterminds. Uh, Like even opening up each other's networks and just really at the end of the day, it's a support group. I mean, it's tough being at the top. You know, the, the it's lonely at the top, like they say, but you don't have to be alone. Like, go, go out there, find other people in your same situation, and uh, get some support. And uh, Restaurant Unstoppable Mastermind can help you with that. So if this sounds interesting to you, if you want the power of five minds versus your own, uh, then come hang out with us. Uh, shoot me an email, eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. And I'm also doing coaching. So if you are, are thinking about opening a restaurant, you're struggling, you hit a wall in your restaurant, and you need some help brainstorming, you can schedule one hour with me. We can... We can, you can share your story with me. You can tell me where you are, and I can expedite the process. I can recommend books. I can give you advice. I mean, 500 episodes. I'm getting pretty good at understanding what it takes to become successful, and I'm here to help you. So do set up that one-hour chat with me if you're interested. All right, guys. That's all. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.